Welcome to Gears Action Growth, shifting business culture one conversation at a time. My name is Christy Mori and I'm joining Dr. Josephine Palermo, whose superpower is to create business cultures that transform organizations team by team. Today we'll be chatting about how to pursue demanding careers as a woman. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Joe. Hey, everybody. It's been a while for us, and we appreciate all the listeners who have been loyal and subscribed to us. We're trying to work out our schedule to at least have two episodes a month right now, so it's incredible in Melbourne how full life it can be Ah. when we're practicing isolation, when we aren't practicing isolation and in lockdown. How are things for you, Joe, this month? Oh, hi, Christy. I'm really good. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, sort of smiling because it's just been incredibly busy and um, I've just come out of a busy period actually and that's Same. why we're now focused on this but yeah. but it is <laughs> I know we, we I know we're going to talk a little bit about you know balance and things like that sometimes it can feel like it's um, not very balanced and 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 you're right I, I feel like we um, have suddenly gone into a schedule that is you know a, a pre-COVID schedule again so it's challenging. Right, right. So in March this month, we decided that our theme would be around International Women's Day, so celebrating mm. women. And of course, being two women and being in women-oriented um, environments for us for mm-hmm. working, it's definitely easier to give perspective on women and career today. So we're going to specifically ask Jo about her different careers as a woman. Many of her careers have been in demanding roles, so we'll ask her how to to give us insight on how she chose her chosen areas. So Joe, you can start with anything you like in whichever direction. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Christy. Yeah. Um, and, um, and just to say, I think sometimes uh, telling stories are always the best way to, um, to really relate to, um, to really people and also to get some insight. So I, I actually just want to tell a story because um, it's a it's a great opportunity. It it was um, International Women's Day on the eighth of March, and I was really lucky actually to be profiled by um, Cap Taxation um, and um, they're a financial orga- uh, organization. They do wealth creation for people, and they were they had a great pro- uh, campaign because they were featuring women in business and women who inspire. And so I was able to tell my story. There. And I just thought it'd be lovely to just tell a story, and um, and then hopefully you know um, you may or may not get some insight um, in in that. So oh um, so, cool. Yeah. Were yeah. you um, podcasting or were you on a show? Or? Uh, no, it was a blog. It was actually a blog. Oh. So they're they're not quite in the podcast land, Christy. But yeah, they're, <laughs> oh, they're okay. on social media. So we should, good. No, yeah, we should add a link to the blog. Yeah, yeah, we mm. will. We will add a link, and um, because they they featured a number of women, and it was great. It was really lovely, and I know that a lot of people, you know, celebrated uh, International Women's Day in different ways, um, and and particularly when we think about um, the stories we hear about career and success and challenges and all of that, I think that uh, we, we really do need to hear more about women's stories and um, because it's important um, they act as role models to others. It's also important just to have that diversity of, of storytelling. So so here we go. Here we go. All right. So, um, so I, you know, I started my career um, kind of really early on, my work life really early on because I came from a a family that really believed in work, probably believed in work more than education, to tell you the truth. So n- none of my extended family were 
um, very encouraging of uh, further education. I mean, of course, we all they were encouraging of finishing high school, but not further education. And a lot of my extended family, you know, were, um, you know, they, were, they come from a working class background and then they came to Australia um, as migrants, really built businesses here and, you know, uh, and have succeeded um, and, you know, of course had ups and downs. But, you know, it's amazing when you hear of that migrant experience and the values it instills in you is really that you can create something from nothing and that, you um, that the barriers are, are really um, pathways, you know. So you see a barrier, you just work through it because in the end it's that sort of persistence and dedication to pursuing that, that you know, better life that, that really drove my family, drove my, you know, my relatives to, to really um, create something here. And, um, and I can't imagine, you know, when I think about my parents, they, I can't imagine their journey because they were um, 18 when they left their families in Italy came to Australia, didn't know the language, um, you know, and and just created a new life. You know, when you think about 18-year-olds now, I can't imagine. So young. Like, so I young. Work, I work with young people and I just think, 18, was I so angsty and was oh. I so uh, impractical? And I probably, yeah. of course, was. <laughs> but for, yes. yeah, it's just a different time and generation. It really is. It really is. And so, you know, I, I absolutely, you know, give my hat, uh, hat off to, to that generation. So anyway, so I... Um, I, very, from a very early age, loved education. I loved school. Um, I really uh, excelled in, in school. I loved um, lots of things about school. I loved the social dimension. I loved the, the teachers. I, I loved the, um, the, the, the kind of, I guess, just the privilege of learning. And, um, and you know, I, I, I didn't have a, a, a seamless time in school. I mean, every school yard story has a story and for me it was my story was that I was quite a chubby girl I was quite quite big I was the biggest in my class for many many years and so I got a lot of teasing and and bullying and um and for me it was um you know I had to really build some of those other strengths because I knew um, I knew that I had value and, I, and that, you know, there, um, there were other parts of me that were of value and it wasn't just the way I looked. Um, and, oh, but of course, you know, I was a, a, a chubby Italian girl looking at all the beautiful willowy Australian girls and wishing my tummy was flat and wishing my legs were as skinny as, the, as their legs. And so, you know, I grew up, of course, with, with all of that. And um, so education was really my sanctuary. And um, I uh, always knew that I wanted to go to university. I always knew that I wanted to get a PhD. I, I, it was just something I knew from a very early age. And in fact, when I was a child, I, I thought I, I would go into teaching because um, partly because I didn't see any other women in any other careers, you know, like really apart from, you know, the sort of working in stores and, um, you know, I didn't see women in any positions of leadership or um, any other careers they were teachers they were nurses they were caregivers so um, so but I, I kind of thought well I'll, I'll be a teacher but a, a, as it turned out I went to university and I studied psychology and I loved psychology um, I also found it incredibly boring at some stages because um, there is an aspect to the study of psychology which is quite tedious and tenacious and so you know it, I think I think there's always an aspect of that. There's always bits that you love and bits that you have to, um, you know, just persist at. And 
I think that sometimes we get to um, we get messages about the fact that uh, if you're not loving every minute of what you're doing, if you're not happy every minute of the day, then you're in the wrong place or you're in the wrong career. And and the reality is is that you're probably loving most of it, but there will be things that sometimes you have to do that you don't love, you know, but it's, they're necessary and they're, they're the things that, they, they might be the, the, the things that then create foundations for other things. And so I, I knew that, I had that perspective, but, but at the same time, it was, you know, some of it was challenging and some of it I, I really loved. And I, I, my dream job was actually to be a lecturer at a university. So I still wanted to be a teacher. I loved talking I loved communicating I was the kid at school you know when I was young that always got you know the reports at home that you know um, your child speaks too much in class or you know um, I often um, was you know in trouble for speaking and and but but I just didn't understand what that was all about because I just you know I was actually really um, I I loved speaking I loved communicating and um, but but what happened was, and as a, this is the thing, you you make plans and then things happen along the way. And I always was, um, you know, having that working class ethic, I always grabbed an opportunity when I saw it. And I often tried to excel in, in what I was doing and really, you know, I tried to do my best in what I was doing. And I ended up getting a role advocating for students at the university that I was working at. It was a, you know, part-time job while I was uh, studying. And then eventually it became a full-time role. And I ended up in a position where I was um, surveying lecturers um, and getting student satisfaction results. And that was at the time where universities were not surveying students they weren't getting feedback from students about performance as far as universities were concerned students weren't even um you know worth um asking about their about the quality of their education the quality of their education um was unknown it was you know universities hired great people they hired um they hired researchers in their field they hired you know budding um, academics and they just assumed that these people could teach. And so it wasn't really until the um, uh, till the government put in regulations about the quality of higher education that universities had to change their business model around that. And so I just happened to be in a place, and this was at Swinburne University in Melbourne, where I was the only one implementing student surveys. And we were doing it from a student advocacy point of view. We were using them to sort of, I guess, leverage the student voice in a in an institution that didn't value the student voice. But suddenly the government was saying, you know, everyone at, um, at university should be um, surveying students on the quality of the outcomes that, that the universities are providing. So suddenly I end up from a very obscure part of the university working directly for the vice chancellor on a strategic project around the quality of higher education. And I was all of 21. And so, you know, it's just, it's crazy how things happen, Christy. This is the thing. It's, I, I think sometimes, you know, we can plan and plan and plan, but it's often an opportunity presents itself. And what do you do about that? Do you shy away from that? Do you have a crisis of confidence? Do you say, no, I can't do that? Do you, do you not put your hand up because of the fear of failing, you know, and, and I think sometimes that happens. Um, but I wasn't built like that because, you know, I, I just, 
I, I was more the other way in a way. I was built to be like a bull and just go for it. And if I made a mistake, I made a mistake. And I, um, as we've talked, I think before, I've got a bit of an optimism bias. So I tend to, um, I tend to lean towards optimism and say, yes, I can do it. So I ended up working in higher education quality for about 10 years. And while I was doing that, I uh, worked my way up the university uh, hierarchy. I ended up in a very senior administrative role in universities. I went to three different universities and worked. I worked at a. I worked with global um, collaboration um, on on quality on higher education. I wrote papers on quality and higher education. And while I was doing that, I was finishing off my PhD part time. So I was always, you know, in the back of my mind, it was always that dream of my dream job was to be an academic. So I knew I wanted to finish my PhD. And right when I got to the end of, I had nearly um, completed my PhD. I sort of just had to, you know, submit a final draft. I started to look around for that dream job, that academic job. And I ended up in um, another university working as a research fellow and 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 I thought, right, I'm here. I'm a research fellow. The next step will be a, a lecturer, and I'll work my way up to a professor. And that's that's me. That's done. I'm I'm good because I really wanted to make an impact on um, the particular area of psychology that I'm interested in. I really wanted to make an impact on um, uh, my my particular area was um, women in management, on gender and psychology. I wanted to make an impact on. Um, coaching in business. And, and so all of those areas were um, fabulous research topics. And I I ended up getting a, a lecturing job the year after I got the research fellow job. I was well on the way. But what happened was that I wasn't in an environment that aligned with my expectations of my dream job. Because in my dream job, I was an academic making an impact in the world. I was making a difference to to um, the way people think about work. I was making a difference to um, organisations. But in fact, what I learned was that uh, the university doesn't need its academics to do that application of their work. Universities are, pay, are actually funded for research outcomes, um, but they're not funded for applying that research. So they're not necessarily geared towards um, for example, linking with industry and particularly back then, they've gotten better at this, but particularly back then, they weren't geared towards linking with industry and really applying um, what we know in social sciences, what we know in psychology to business. The job, the job of that was someone else's job. As an academic, your job was to do the research, publish the paper in a peer-reviewed journal in sort of a uh, so that um, it had some credibility. And then it was someone else's job to take that, hopefully read that paper, read that research and do something with it. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't stay there. It was not, I, I couldn't, I couldn't not be part of that solution. And I I really found out that I couldn't be part of that solution. But But some other things happened too. I found myself in an environment which was very male dominated. So for example, in psychology, over 70% of, uh, actually probably a little bit more, nearly towards 80% of the students were female who study psychology. Um, the junior staff, uh, nearly all women, but the head of department, the professorships, they are all majority male. And so there's something wrong there. You know, why do you have this industry where which attracts so many women and then it's really the handful of men 
that end up in those senior positions. And what I found was I was in an environment that was very hierarchical. It was, you know, the, my values didn't align with, with, with the values of the department that I was in. It was, um, it, you know, I, I wanted to experiment and take risks. That wasn't, wasn't, you know, you know, in some ways allowed for in the, in the, in the area that I was in. Um, was very conservative. And there are good reasons for that because there's the need for discipline and there's a need for scientific rigor and I get that, but it just didn't suit me. And it just, I didn't see it. I didn't see, I didn't see me in the people ahead of me. And, and when I saw the people ahead of me, and this is a really good lesson, if you're in a place, look at the people ahead of you in terms of those people that are achieving where you want to be. Are they happy? Do they look like the kind of people you want to be? Um, are they, you know, what are their values like? Um, are they doing the kind of work you want to do? Because that's where you're going. And I looked there and I went, that's not where I want to go. That is not me. And I, I had a crisis of confidence at that stage because, because I, you know, my best laid plans were suddenly no longer um, you know, there, they were, they were no longer laid out. And so I, I shifted gears. I went into a corporate role. I had a great time um, in consulting and uh, it gave me the freedom I needed to work with, um, with really smart people who are applying what we know in psychology, but really in real situations, applying it to make, you know, to make the customer experience better, applying it in you know, how we make teams and, and business cultures better, how we drive strategy in, in business. And I, I loved working in corp, in corporations because I was often responsible for really creating change across tens of thousands of people. So suddenly I kind of did find myself in my dream job, um, but it was not where I, I expected to be. And then the, the final part, in, you know, just recently I've, I left corporate life. I left that internal work that I did within organizations to be an independent, more of an independent consultant. And that's because as I as I go further in my career, my need for autonomy and taking risks and doing things a little bit outside the box and really creating an, an environment that is a little bit more just the kind of environment that I want to work in, which is where we can uh, really collaborate, um, you know, um, really um, strongly and that where we can um, test and, and learn as we go along. I just felt like I needed to create an environment in my own way. And again, you know, working in an organisation as, as much as possible that was aligned to my values, there's always a hierarchy in place. And I just, I just wanted to take myself away from that hierarchy. Um, and and now I'm I'm in that place. But who knows what the future is? It, there's always opportunities. Um, but having said that, I, what I do now is I'm much better at understanding what my values are. And I often revisit this. I often revisit what my values are, and then and then looking at my environment and looking at the people ahead of me. And again, I'm I'm asking the question: Is that where I want to be? Is that who I want to be? Because where you are really influences who you are especially if the, the who isn't able to be expressed in that environment. You know, it's very difficult for one person to change an environment. Not, not impossible, but difficult. And so you have to choose your battles. And sometimes it's just, sometimes that's why a lot of women leave, uh, for example, organisations, because 
the battle isn't worth it. You know, they can see that there's going to be too much bloodshed in kind of going for that um, change. And so what they do instead is they leave and they form their own businesses. They they hook up and, and partner with other women. And, you know, in a way, that's what I've done. Great, Joe. Great, great, great. One question I have is the transition um, between, you know, being in a decade in education mm. and then heading into corporate. I mean, was that easy for you? Is th Was there another opportunity uh, corporately that you just saw that you slipped into or was it more like you actively were ready to leave the uh, academic education system mm. and you were uh, actively thinking I'm going to go into a corporate role or maybe you can, do you think you can sort of remember back and sort of oh, share? Oh, yeah, yeah, I can absolutely remember. I, um, I was not really looking for a, a corporate role. I was actually looking for um, another university to join and maybe a, and, and a different department. I was kind of thinking that maybe my, my unique sort of skill set would be more um, palatable in a school of business rather than a school of psychology because organizational psychology is a kind of minor stream in the larger psychology a lot of um, so you're often kind of uh, fighting against you know research dollars and funding that goes to to other places and um, uh, so so I, I was actually looking for a school of business at, but but I was looking widely because that's sort of what I do I, I'm I'm always open to opportunities. So I don't just scan, when I look for a new opportunity, I don't just scan where I think I will find that opportunity. I scan quite widely. Um, but but having said that, I didn't see a job ad or anything like that. I actually was um, in a conversation with an ex-student of mine um, and I was in a mentoring role with her and I, we were in this mentoring discussion and um, she had got a job um, in this corporation that I ended up joining, Telstra, and she was saying that there was a role that, that was um, um, available and she was asked by her boss to, to scan her network and see if she knew of anyone who might be appropriate for that role. And so because I was her mentor, um, I just felt like, you know, I would be doing her a service by, you know, expressing an interest in the role. And I, and, but I, I wasn't thinking that I would kind of get the role. It was more, well, it's a networking opportunity, regardless of what happens, because I was, I, you know, I, I always heard great things about Telstra and I thought, well, you know, I get to meet some people there. And even if it, it doesn't, you know, and, and I help my mentee. So it wasn't really again it was you know it was what's that serendipity is it's again just um not quite like I don't explain it I don't I don't explain it to myself as going with the flow there is a flow there you know it was a sort of synchronicity in that she um said well there's a role going but but it was also me starting that that energy around I need something else I need to look for something else that that really fits who I am more or who fits where I want to, who I want to be. And, and I, it, 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 so I started that momentum and then it's almost like, you know, people around you then, and the whole universe conspires to sort of make that happen for you in a way. But, but I, I could have had a different response to her. I could have said, well, no, I'm not really looking for a corporate role. I'm not going to even bother. Um, I could have said that, but but that's not again who I am. I'm actually someone who um, 
who believes that I can create an opportunity. So even if, even if I, you know, I see a job opening and I see an opportunity to connect with someone, I don't, it's not, it's not, um, it's worth it to me to connect in that way, uh, regardless of whether I think I'm going to get the role, because you, each connection forms this effect down the track that you're not aware of. You know, it's the small things you do. It's the small decisions you make that create your path, that create your career in a way. It's not the big, it's not the big leaps. So for me, it was that small decision to just go, oh, well, I'll go and talk to someone. That I, It doesn't hurt to talk to someone. But of course, you know, I went to, I, I, I went to the interview prepared because, um, you know, that's, that's, that's my work. I have to do that. I was, I read up about the company. I, you know, I could, I sort of looked at the job description. I looked at the role. I talked to a few colleagues who were in the same sort of role. And so I had, I had prepared. So I'm not saying I was nonchalant about it, but I wasn't, I didn't have all my eggs in that basket. I didn't, I I wasn't um, so vested in the outcome that no other outcome would have been good, would have been a good outcome. You know, I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a great trait. I think that's like one of I would say like a life trait for people because I've been talking to a lot of young people and they're like, if I don't get this, mm. then I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, and I have to remember I was there at one point as well, like in that kind of mindset as a young yes. person. Yeah, so I would you know, so I have to be quite like um great great in giving grace in that area because i think oh i was totally like this person mm. um and it's kind of you know it's kind of a sad state because it means that they're limiting themselves so i usually say you know like this might actually not be your most defining yeah. moment <laughs> it could be something else but of course they don't want to hear that um so you know i usually end up just listening and thinking oh wow like this is, I don't know why as when we're young, we think if this isn't it, then, you know, I'm nothing or the, that kind of extremity actually yeah. har- like harms us more mm. than it does to grow us. So I, you already had these does. traits and obviously you studied psychology. So you obviously had those kinds of um, skills as well t- on how to think. Um, maybe yeah, perhaps. I think so. I think perhaps, I think that there's, um, there is something in, um, you know, being more curious about yourself where you then, you know, get more in the more and more, the more curious you are, the more insight you get. So there is that. I, I think though that, you know, going back to your, your um, comment on the messages that young people hear, I, I, I think that we put a lot of pressure on young people to know their career. Um, we, and, you know, we, we, form higher education on the basis of, um, you know, a more of a vocational um, basis than it ever was. I mean, you know, if you if you take 100, 100 higher education 100 years ago, it wasn't, there was some vocational element there, but there was this kind of benefit to just studying, you just study a topic. Um, and, um, and actually a PhD, what that stands for, that's a doctor of philosophy. And philosophy is the, the nature of things. So, you know, even a PhD is, is really more just an exploration into the nature of something. You know, you don't do necessarily do a PhD because you, you want that job, you know. So, there's, so, so yeah, I, I, I think that unfortunately we, we drive these messages that you've got to, 
you've got to get you've got to excel very young early in your career in the chosen career and then somehow if you miss the boat you'll never you know kind of um catch up so there's this there is this absolute pressure that we put on young people um mm. and we ask young people don't we we say you know what do you want to do what do you want to be right uh, i was thinking about that uh, we do it all the time as if as yeah. if because we we you know there's this vocational identity that we have where we link our self-identity as a human to what we do instead of who we are and right. so yeah, yeah. And that's the problem so and 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 then we 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 judge ourselves and others on that and so it's, right um, it's yeah. worth it's worth questioning that you know um you know and i i think that it would be lovely to have more conversations about who we are as people rather than what we do you know who and who we are like those questions can be about um you know how we think about things and um you know we have we can have conversations about you know what do you value in this rather than you know mm. who do you work for and yeah, <laughs> how much yeah. money do you make yeah, yeah. like a couple of months ago so my friend started uh like a girls group for women and ah. exploring their faith and the um workshop was sort of like as an intro she said don't tell us what you do for a living Mm. tell tell us who you are so ah. was, so even though i've known some of these girls for a bit it's like who they were was so different right. than what they did and because what they did was just you know a part it wasn't who they were completely yeah yeah so i was like how can i apply this sort of conversation in my everyday life because i um. actually really don't you know, it doesn't matter to me if someone's super successful in whatever area. It's like I'm more curious about who they are. So, mm. but that's not the way conversation goes, unfortunately. Yep. So I, yeah, I'm trying to still figure it out for my own sort of conversations. Well, you know, in groups and things like that. So, Christy, just on that, because I'd be really mm. curious. Mm. What? How would? How? How was that conversation? How did they describe themselves when you when that when they were asked that question? Tell us about who you are. What kind of things did they say without, you know, kind of yeah, um, right. breaching so confidence? Age, yeah, right. So demographic-wise, so this is a bit younger. So yeah. um, just like out of high school, university, and then maybe somewhere in the mid-20s, like working. Mm-hmm. So that's the demographic. So people are just kind of starting out their life, really. Yeah. And yeah, it was more like, I am like this. Like they... A lot of them talked about their characteristics. Uh huh. Like, like I'm, I'm shy in this scenario, yes. but I like, and I'm not like that in this scenario. Yeah. Or in COVID times, I didn't struggle with isolation because I'm actually introverted. Or mm-hmm. in COVID times, I struggled a lot with um, isolation because I'm super extroverted. Yeah. So the conversations were like more like character traits and maybe yes. their values. I think as yes. well like what they yeah valued in their yes. life like their family and so it was yeah it was just very different conversation also mm. this was a faith-based conversation as mm, well mm. so yeah. the conversation's obviously going to be very different with that mm, um mm. because it's not going to be focused on you know a career or yeah yeah, yeah. But, but you can imagine having a conversation with someone where you just say um you know what are your superpowers um, mm. and, uh, or, or, um, 
you know, if you, what are your top three values? What right, do you value right. in life? You know, what are yeah. your top three values? And, um, you know, and there are some really, actually there's some really nice activities that you can do if you don't know what your values are. I might, we might put them in the, we might put a link. I'll put a link in the show notes, Christy, because there's some ways in which you can kind of really um, work that out. But, you know, even if you just Google values lists, you get a list of words that are values because values are things like freedom, peace, harmony, um, strength. Um, you know, you can have a love is a value. Like these are all values. They're, they're our beliefs when you think yeah. about it. So, so you know, I think sometimes conversations don't, you know, can go to what do you believe, you know. what Right. So, and I think sometimes we, we're, we're worried about conversations that go to what do you believe because we're worried about dis- disagreeing with each other. Um, or it's and, too direct sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Or like you've just met. I remember, sorry, this is a side note. Um, I remember someone coming into higher spaces like a year and a half ago and mm-hmm. I didn't know, I'm just going to say them. It was, yeah. a per- it was a person, but uh-huh. I didn't know them, but they yeah. ended up staying for about a month and then leaving. But um yeah, the first time I met them, they said, they said, are you doing the work you always dreamed about? And I thought, ah, yeah, I, and I thought, oh, wow, like, that's really intense. Because yeah. like, he just said his name. And then he was like, are you in a place where you're doing and I had no I was just Oh, wow. So it was like he was doing it like the what we're talking about, not mm-hmm. like, he was trying to get at values. But since I didn't really have a relationship or friendship yeah. with this person, it was right away. I think yeah, I, I don't know how to navigate it properly, I think. It kind of takes time. Maybe you, maybe work is a way to get to know someone, but then asking those kinds of True. questions, Absolutely. you know, and it's just a way. But I almost had to laugh because of how intense, yeah. like, like, the scenario was. Yeah, that's how he, not to do it. <laughs> um, he, he said he was a mentor or coach. Yeah. At, he had, like, a gazillion jobs, and he had, like, mentoring and coaching was one of them. And yeah, and then he went to, he went to another person and he said, oh, he's like, are you, he's like, well, he's like, are you single or are you like, I was like, wow, he just goes straight to the, I was like, this is so-and-so. And then I was like, wow, that's, that is one way to do it, but pretty, um, abrasive in a way, like yeah. too direct. It, it, you know, it's kind of like when we were kids and kids go up to each other and they ask sort of questions of each other it sort of reminds me of that Christy and I think when you're a child you have that trust in each other but perhaps not as adults so yeah I I think we need to temper it yeah Yeah. it was interesting though he didn't stay Mm. but it was really interesting Mm. yeah Mm. (laughs) I remember he cornered Chu at one point she was like she was like who's that and they they had like a two-hour conversation I said what did you talk about she's like I don't know I don't know <laughs> so anyways this individual it was good he just kind of all right he or she <laughs> we don't want to like give away the confidence no, but no. I was just yeah I was reminded of this person when mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about this style of um yes. conversing yeah yeah, yeah. and look yeah. I think you know going back to kind of I think we've so so got off a tra- on a track yeah, sorry we going debated. back on the track um yeah I I think that what we what we need to do though is just remind ourselves that um, who who we are is connected to what we do absolutely, but it's not solely what we do. And so um, you know I think that that's that's 
I often actually someone gave me really good advice a long time ago someone um, who was more like a mentor for me and he said in life you can do two things and I because he loved he always loved two things so for him it was two things you know you can do two things you can work in line with your passion and then your work and your passions are totally intertwined or you can work to then have time for your passion and both are great outcomes yeah that's so wise yeah that's great. isn't it isn't it yeah i mean it's he really was very wise, wise. he was yeah. very wise i i was um there was, was actually my first boss um he was incredibly wise and um and he'd he'd he'd, he'd say that and then pause <laughs> <laughs> which makes it even more even yeah yeah, yeah. he's got yeah. that yoda thing uh, going the yeah. silence yeah people that's who right. can carry on silence yeah. like all of yeah. a sudden is quite confident, yeah. I would say. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the last kind of part of this conversation, it was so interesting, what is as women, we definitely have different demands, I think. And mm. when we are pursuing these heavy Latin um, jobs or careers or work, how do we, I don't know if balance is the right word because mm. I'm not sure if we'll ever get balance. Mm. I know that we'll have priorities. Yes. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know if balance would be the word, but for people who are listening and, you know, they want a semblance of balance. Do you have any mm. recommendations of, you know, when they're in these high level positions, yeah. what, how they could achieve like a more of a normal rate of mm, achievement mm. Yeah. instead of just, unless they just love to work like 24 seven and that's it. <laughs> oh, look, and, and, um, you know, I think that you're right. Balance is sort of a, a loaded term, and for, and it'll be different for for different people. But I think that what we what we need to sustain our mental health and our physical health is some downtime. We know that we do need sleep, and we do need rest. And so everybody on the planet needs that, and we know that. So. So that so that so there are some things that are non-negotiables in in life, and there might be others. And so the first thing to do is to sort of start with your list. What's the non-negotiable? It might be sleep, rest, uh, exercise, nutrition. You know, healthy meal every night. You know, so so kind of listing what the non-negotiables are, and then from there, um, creating. Uh, space in that week or in you know in that daily routine for that and then the other um the other the other things that I think people need to know about themselves is where their energy um activity zones are in a day so you know is it in the morning is it in the evening is it in the afternoon is it in the middle of the day you know if you have that afternoon lull where you really you know don't think very well then maybe that's a good time for rest you know, so you just, so, because, because I think what we do, um, and what we've done with work, the way we've structured work, is we have structured work around this kind of 19th century notion, well, actually more like a 20th century notion of how productivity um, is achieved. And, and that means that everybody starts work at the same time and finishes work at the same time. And they work for, you know, the eight hour day or whatever it is. And they have, you know, half an hour of lunch or whatever that is. And and those actually in some ways COVID 
threw that out a little bit, those assumptions. It kind of debunked that because people were working from home and had a bit more autonomy about how they got work done and how they got they, they achieved productivity. Um, but we know from sort of our psychological research that people will be uh, more productive if they're able to structure their work in ways that suit them. So, you know, if I might say to you, Christy, I can't, I can't do focused work in the morning because I'm not, my brain doesn't really switch on until about 9.30, 10 a.m. Then there's no point in me structuring my day where I start work earlier, even if, you know, and it may, and, and where I have to do focused work. What it might mean is that I, in that morning period where I know I don't really, I'm not geared for structured work, maybe that's a good time for um, exercise or it might be a good time for family breakfast or it might be a good time to read the paper or do something else that I particularly, you know, know fulfills me and enhances me. So I think that we all need to think about what is our perfect day? And in fact, I think of it as a perfect week. What is my perfect week? What are the non-negotiables in this week? And then and then I structure everything else around it. And so, for example, I, I, uh, I love to dance. And dancing for me really keeps me centred. It's, it's, it's where I'm mindful. It, it helps me stay out of the, takes me out of the cerebral activity of the day where I've been thinking and conceptualising and it, takes me straight into my body, places my feet literally on the earth. Um, I dance with other women. So there's this kind of social connection that I get. It fulfills me every time after a dance class or a dance rehearsal or whatever, I, I end that and I feel elated. And so for me, a non-negotiable through the week is structuring in time to dance with, you know, do a dance class or, you know, do the, do the, the or teach a dance class. And so that's non-negotiable for me. And so what I do is I structure the rest of the week around other zones. I also know, and, and we know that we're, we're much more productive when we're not multitasking and you're not switching from one thing to another. So I structure zones in my diary where I go, okay, Wednesday afternoon is time for this kind of activity. You know, I'm going to work on this activity. Tuesday morning, it's time for this activity. So you can structure your uh, your time. So that's one thing. But then, but then if I was to stop there, I would hate myself because I actually hate people that keep talking about time management without talking about the other environmental pressure that comes with being in a, in a workplace. Um, so I need to go there because otherwise I haven't sort of given you the whole equation. So one thing is structure your time. But then the other thing is you have to navigate the environment because there's so many competing demands and there will be people wanting you to break apart the thing that you've structured for yourself. So there'll be other people around you, might be your boss, might be your colleague saying, oh, can't you just get this done now? Can't you? I sent you an email. Why haven't you read it yet? Um, I sent you that text message 10 minutes ago. Haven't you read it? So there will be pressures coming from, oh, and, and you know, if you're, if you've got kids around you, they're really good at it too. You know, mummy, 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 all of that. So there will be pressures from the environment. And so the, the trick then is to know how to navigate that, know how to say no to things and know how to say yes to things. And you have to say yes to the things that align with your non-negotiables and align with the values around 
the things that you think are meaningful and, and should be prioritised. You also need to learn how to say no and really think about what you're saying yes and no to and, and, and learn how to um, deal with someone else's anxious demand because I think that's what we often do. We often cave to the pressure of someone else's anxious demand um, and really what that is is because we get a little bit of an almost contagion effect where you, for example, you know, Christy, you might come to me and you're quite anxious about something. This is hypothetical, by the way. You're quite anxious about something. You're That's nervous it. about. <laughs> you're nervous about something. You're worried about something, and you would really like me to deal with something then and there. So I need to learn how to regulate my own emotional reaction to your anxiety, and then so. So, for example, because when someone comes to you and they're highly anxious, you might feel a, a physiological reaction, which is like, it's almost like, a, for me, it's my body heats up. That's like, suddenly it's, I'm feeling that anxiety as well, that demand, that pressure. Yeah, and, same. I think mm, it's body as well mm, for me. Mm, yeah. yeah. And so, so, so then I need to recognize that and I need to recognize that that's just a physiological reaction. I don't have to interpret that in the way that I would normally I can circumvent that I can say okay well Christy's obviously under pressure here and what I often do then is I have a, a bit of a, a mechanism where I I have um a kind of almost not not quite a mantra but I, I calm myself down I don't give in to that physiological reaction I actually stay calm and I listen because when someone approaches you with high anxiety um it's often a good idea to listen. And then what I do is I, in a very calm voice, respond back. And and then if I can't deal with something then and there, or if it doesn't suit me to deal with something then and there, because it would break my focus on something else. And as I said, you know, if we're chopping and changing and switching our attention all the time, that's the worst for productivity. So I can calmly say, I understand what's going on. Um, leave it with me, I'll, I'll, I'll look at that uh, and get back to you uh, later in the day or I'll get back to you in the morning. And then, of course, I've got to meet that commitment. And, you know, of course, there's always pressure for me to meet that commitment and um, other, you know, th that, that's important. But, but you see what I mean? It's, it's sort of not giving in to the, the pressure around you all the time. Anyone who is checking their emails, you know, and it's not part of their job to do it. If anyone is checking their emails every 15 minutes, every half an hour, that is a, that is, that is a distraction from focus. So, so if someone says to me, but I emailed that to you, I say, well, actually, yeah, I, I check my emails at the end of the day. If, so, so if you want to, it's setting up an expectation, right? Because that means they know now if they want me urgently, they've got to ring me or text me. Or you slack. right yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah right slack is great yeah 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 I so had this scenario as well the other day like I think like somebody was like extremely anxious and like I'm pretty sensitive to voice tone mm. that's so like they were kind of just like super like da, 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 and I knew they weren't frustrated with me but they 
or their voice tone looked sounded like it i think mm. they were just like highly anxious and i was like i know you, this person's not frustrated with me so i had to push myself like seriously mm. like take a breath and listen oh, yeah. I, I usually take a breath i think i physically mm-hmm. force myself to take a breath because i'm sort of like hey like why are you talking to me in this tone yeah because you know this isn't really i mean it's kind of sad to say this isn't my problem but like it's like i am not the receiving end of this problem yes but um yeah so i just listened and i said okay i understand or like i said yep i understand what you're saying and then Mm -hmm. they were ranting on and on and then i was like yeah i understand and then finally after they were like oh you understand but it took a while and it's very frustrating for me because like i I think it's frustrating when, like, you have tools yourself, like, of what you do. So I don't lash out at people ever. Mm, like, if mm. I, you know, I'll, I'll talk to someone. If I'm frustrated, I'll, I'll talk to them. But I won't raise my voice and I won't lash out at them. Like, it, it's just something I don't do. So, like, when other people don't have as much control, I just have to give grace because it's like mm. that they're not able. It's like they've not learned for themselves not to do that yeah or create more know, anxiety in, in themselves yeah and that, that's a very compassionate approach actually christy which a lot of people <laughs> don't have um, I'm not but you're sure. right i mean it's you know it's it's um and 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 in some ways um even the best intentions can not go as well you know so so i i think that under certain circumstances you can give in even someone like you who normally wouldn't lash out sometimes you know there may be a circumstance where that happens and then it's oh about yeah being i'm sure compassionate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, i'm not going to say never but yeah, yeah. I, I definitely will i could probably list some moments for sure yeah yeah never say never yeah and, and what that what that means though is that you might be seen as someone who can take the brunt of that that pressure and anxiety so that's something to watch as well that mm. you're not always just taking the brunt of it because people kind of know that about you or they they um they don't get a reaction from you so you're a safe place to land in a way and so there's that so again it's actually about navigating um mm. get the lantern and, and you know it, having conversations about what you expect so it's okay when people once people have calmed down it's okay to have a conversation which goes you know what what happened the other day i don't really want that to happen every time there's a bit of pressure or demand how can we how can we do, do this differently so right. yeah so that you're you're like if that's there's no blame there you're not you know but but you're just saying that's not really okay let's do it differently next time mm, yeah yeah that's a good point so this is sort of sorry not to deviate again but yeah these are all tools that you've given us to sort of navigate the demands isn't it mm, mm. just demands of life demands of just mechanisms and tools yeah exactly. so yeah it's been a really good one um, and thanks Joe for all the insights and like your story that you've given us so we're going to wrap up at this point we hope that you enjoyed this almost hour long episode and we really appreciate your feedback and any questions you might have hope this topic was insightful and enjoyable to listen to please send us all your questions and comments at josephine at gearforgrowth.biz do you have a story to share we'd like to hear it all right till next time everybody have a great week and stay safe bye